See that Bears game last week? Yeah, hell of a game, hell of a game. Snap is back to Hoyer, throwing open. Howard breaks a tackle, 15-10, five, ends up, touchdown! Touchdown, Bears! Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. A team that is known as... Play fake, Cutler sidestep to the pocket, avoiding pressure, now winds up throwing deep down the right side, going for Jeffrey, he makes the catch inside the 10-yard line, down near the 5, throw it up and get it, Jeffrey did, Jeffrey outleaps him, 49 yards. Bears Hour Live, with Lauren Cox and the draft doc, Philitoshin. With me, as always, are the super fans. I'm smarter than the average bear. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. You're listening to Lauren Cox and Philatoshan coming to you live after the Bears' late comeback attempt against the Tennessee Titans that ultimately fell short. We saw Matt Barkley really flip a switch in the fourth quarter there and start to look like uh, potentially a, an exciting NFL quarterback, you know, firing downfield and getting the ball into of his receivers who just couldn't seem to hold on to it for most of the time. So ultimately that was what happened on the last play of the game. You know, the ball got to the end zone to a receiver in his hands and it just couldn't quite, uh, couldn't quite hang on. And that, that was the story of the fourth quarter. And the Bears have their ninth loss of the season and they're 2-9 and nine and there's not a lot, you know, there wasn't a lot to play for coming into this game, but at least now... Matt Barkley gave Bears fans something to hope for, something to be excited for. Phil, what did you think of the young quarterback's performance? Lauren, uh, despite all the turmoil in the drop zone, you got to love what you saw with Matt Barkley coming back, fulfilling the airwaves in Chicago with dimes all over the place, really. The kid... Talk about a, a halftime resurgence. We're looking at technique improving, ball skills, everything you want to see in a young passer. He showed out there, and, and I'm sorry to say this, but it really ends up on the drops of personnel that you have up there having to make a play, an easy play by Josh Bellamy. I'm not going to let this off the hook. This is since your birth. You know, some kids start playing football when they're five years old, Lauren. That's a 10-yard pass on a dime, hit you right between the 11s, one in the one, and you have zero excuse to drop that in an NFL game. But add to the fact that it was a game-winning catch that would have been there, that you're helping out a franchise desperate for things to be positive about that right there is inexcusable. That right there pushes this guy down the roster. Uh, we've talked about this all, all almost all season about a kid named Daniel Braverman. When you got Logan Paulson in the slot, <laughs> I mean, Deontay Thompson, again, the last play of the game puts it right in the perfect spot. Another drop. There were so many drops. I thought there was about to be a thunderstorm because it's just raindrop, raindrop. It's just, I didn't know if there was a Bloods or the Crips. Uh, it was just ridiculous out there. And <laughs> Josh Bellamy, boy, you really, I know he took it hard, but there's just no excuse. And, and this is the stuff that 
comes back onto the head coach and the offensive coordinator in what kind of personnel they're using and the stubbornness of not seeing players like a Daniel Brown out there to week 11. I mean, it's ridiculous, Lauren. Yeah, and you know, at least Josh Bellamy did take accountability after the game. He's, you know, he said, "I let myself and my teammates down." He was real sorry about it and apologetic. So he definitely uh, deserves, you know, at least he's got he's got the character to to step up and and take responsibility. But yeah, really don't understand the wide receiver use in this game. And did I miss at some point? Did Eddie Royal leave with an injury, or did they just not like him on offense? I was gonna ask you. I think that was a planned set up that they weren't going to play him on offense. They wanted someone to fair catch the ball on punts. That's it. Thanks for coming, Eddie. <laughs> Love he, you, buddy. He played 12 snaps on offense. And, you know, <laughs> Cameron Meredith played 69, and Deontay Thompson played 42, and Josh Bellamy played 46. I mean, if, how many times do these guys have to keep dropping it before Eddie Royal goes on the field? Or, you know, or Dan, I mean, obviously Daniel Braverman is the the obvious one but I mean geez it's not like you don't have anybody else you have Braverman you have Eddie Royal I mean you have to you have to do something with these wide receivers after that game after that showing I mean Marquise Wilson was the only one that looked like a a capable NFL wide receiver and even he had a a couple of those drops but he also made a couple of nice catches down the stretch so he definitely was able to make up for it but man Josh Bellamy looked like an NFL receiver Deontay Thompson has yet to ever look like an NFL receiver I mean and Cameron Meredith was probably the most disappointing. We've talked you know, the last couple of weeks about how he's been on a, a downward trend, and that really continued in this game, and he's not running good routes. He's not catching the ball, obviously, and the, the Bears are desperate for wide receiver help now because they actually have a quarterback that is slinging the ball really well. And Matt Barkley's final stat line is not going to look great. I haven't. I, mean, I know he was over 52 pass attempts, but I didn't see the final <laughs> completion percentage was 51%. He was 28 of 54 for 316 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. Those two interceptions were bad, but those are about the only bad throws we saw from Matt Barkley in the game. I mean, he was lights out for, especially that whole fourth quarter, really coming back. And, you know, it's easy to get caught up in that, but at the same time, it is the Tennessee Titans defense. And I I think it's easy to feel like, holy crap, this guy's really good when he tore up a, a pretty bad Tennessee Titans defense. I mean, even though they're technically in their playoff race, they're not, this was not like an impressive shredding of a secondary by Matt Barkley. It was good. It was very good to see, and especially for someone like Matt Barkley, it was surprising, but it it was the Titans, let's be honest. Well, it was, but here's a team with nothing to play for. They battled back. You saw Eddie Goldman. I tweeted out his play on on third and two, making a great read, making a play, and then Matt Barkley, you know, was becoming another punchline in the quarterback search that the Chicago Bears have had. A lot of fans just think it's so easy to turn the page and the chapter on Jay Cutler when the alternative is unknown and in business. Are you buying unknown property in a swamp with flood conditions? You don't know what you're getting. So the reality is you need to have and find known commodities while you take the time to build a chance to have a potential first round quarterback drafted. So I think the Jay Cutler pipe dream story of removing yourself from and then seeing the backups that have come through here play so poorly and Barkley was going down that path, but for, for him to come out and show 
the focus and the the focus on his technical skills. I'm talking about three, five, seven step drops with great footwork, throwing the ball two spots. The interception in the end zone was terrible. It was horrendous. Some guys cave, and I'd be the first one to admit I was ready to see David Fales come and give the fourth quarter an opportunity to see what you have in the kid. But to look at what Barkley was able to do with the game on the line, he had you there. He had you an opportunity to win a game in the NFL in a t- in a season that you're two and eight. And ultimately you come up dry because of the surrounding personnel. Now, we know Ryan Pace drafted Daniel Braverman. I know we keep bringing this up, and, and ignorant football fans on Twitter will think, oh, Phil, you know, uh, 32 teams haven't packed him up. Well, it's 31 teams, number one. Number two, the reality is you're looking at a season on the brink with nothing to matter whatsoever. The assessment of young talent that doesn't drop the football or is Daniel Breerman a dropper of the football too? You need to know that moving forward. And I, I honestly look at a receiver that caught 110 balls in college and has production in the slot where you're playing Cameron Meredith. Uh, Lauren in the slot. I want to know the PFF percentage today because he's just not a slot receiver. He's an outside X receiver or Y guy that's going to give you that deep ball opportunity or post flag route coming in a deep dig or in cut. That's what he is. To put him out in the slot, you're doing him a disservice. He's just not a slot receiver. And then Eddie Royal on the bench, as you talked about, these personnel decisions say what you want, make zero sense and to see Logan Paulson, of all people out there <laughs> playing slot receiver, oh, makes a catch, uh, tell his agent he pushed off to get open because he runs about a four nine five forty right now. Yeah, and uh, Karen Meredith played 30, or I guess ran 39 routes from the slot, 39 of his 53 routes and 73% came from the slot. Uh, Bellamy had four, Wilson had three, and Deontay Thompson had two and Royal had five. So obviously, overwhelmingly, Cameron Meredith was the slot receiver today, and we all saw mm-hmm. how well that worked. I mean, the guy had, what was it, uh, two catches for 19 yards and on nine targets. Three drops is what Postal Seven Postal drops. Credited with. <laughs> they, they, they only have him with three, but I have a feeling when they go through the all-22, that number is going to increase by a couple. Oh, my God, Lauren. I was a... Honest showcase of, you know, a lot of praise thrown wide receiver coach Johnson's way, but apparently he doesn't know his personnel, and I would call him out on that because there's no rhyme or reason to see Cameron Meredith play 69% of his snaps from the slot. That's just poor. And, and to top that off, Deontay Thompson really he made a nice touchdown catch on a fourth down and goal. Then he comes back with an opportunity to win and drops it. I mean, there's no consistency there. And I agree with what you said. Marquise Wilson looked to be the only guy that really resembles an NFL quality type football player. And I won't say starter. I'm looking at a quality wide receiver that could be in the rotate, a third receiver. 
So really, you got two steps forward with Matt Barkley and about six steps back with all the drops because there must have been at least 16, and I'm not exaggerating, drops from Jordan Howard had two. Langford had a couple on screens. He just gave up on one. You had Logan Paulson's biannual drop. (laughs) You got Cameron Meredith, Josh Bellamy, Deontay Thompson, Marquise Wilson dropped a touchdown. Gorgeous ball. They ended up scoring later with Thompson, but that was a beautiful ball by Barkley on the left uh, left sideline, dropped it right on a dime until he dropped it. He wanted to rip off his own helmet on that play, if you remember that one. So, I mean, what could you take away from this besides Dowell Loggins doing Dowell things, <laughs> running the ball, averaging four or five yards a clip, we're going to throw it 52 times, and then ultimately the story is going to be, well, they had to throw it. Well, you didn't have to throw it if you were watching the game. It kind of spiraled out of hand. And then Matt Barkley really stepped up to the plate. And and for his career, that could have been a career-saving second half. Yeah, and, you know, kind of lost within the whole performance for Barkley was a a pretty good performance by the offensive line and pass protection. I mean, mean, there were a few times I I saw Ted Larson go by in the middle of the pocket and Barkley had to step around him, but... Uh, PFF had Barkley under pressure on 11 of his 54 dropbacks, so he had 43 throws with with no pressure, a pretty clean pocket, especially considering you know no Kyle Long, no Josh Sitton again, and Eric Cush played a great game. I thought Larson was iffy, but Bobby Massey I thought stepped up, especially yeah. in protection. I didn't see him really get beaten badly on any pass plays, and you know he was. You know, he was his usual self in the running game, some good, some bad, but he really stepped up. Even after he left the game early on, briefly, he was getting medical attention, I, I believe I saw on the sideline, but he, he came back in and, and he was playing well, and it was just a, a really encouraging thing by the offensive line that we haven't seen a whole lot this season. And we'll bring in our first caller of the day. Uh, caller, what's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, guys, Ryan from Oneida, New York. How you doing? How you doing, Ryan? hanging in there follow you guys on twitter so uh just wanted to get your thoughts now if we go back to the minnesota game and we talk about the o-line it was cush and larson in there protecting cutler now Mm -hmm. today they give up no sacks so can you kind of talk about that a little bit and maybe why they're playing better than our two pro bowl guards it's, it's a great question and one I wanted to talk about with Lauren, and I'll talk about it with you now, Ryan. It's great because you read my mind. I was looking at Josh Sitton, and there's no doubting the talent that he is. I think he's overweight. I think he doesn't fit well in the zone run-based scheme at at his weight. He's, he's not moving like you want to see him. Today you saw a lot of counterplays. Again, like the Minnesota game, there's a lot of man-on-man blocking. They ran a couple toss plays with their zone block that got stuffed. And then when you look at the athleticism of Cush, I mean, I couldn't believe that last week Larson was starting over Cush to begin with because I think Cush is a better football player. As Lauren pointed out, Ted, steady Teddy is never steady on the good side. He seems to be just okay and today he was a little better than okay 
But the answer in therein lies, I think the play calling, uh, I thought their pass protection, I think Eric Cush brings a level of attitude I like to the offensive line. I thought him and Long would be a great athletic duo too. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go moving forward. But I think it has a lot to do with the play calling and them going to a more man-blocking, counter-blocking scheme where they were able to do pass-pro, five-step off of their yep. action game. Lauren. Awesome. I, I appreciate I appreciate the answer, guys. You guys, uh, I love lot, seeing what you put, put on Twitter, and I appreciate you taking my call. Thank you. You know, and and just to to back up what thank you, were saying, you Brian. To to back up what you were saying, Phil. I, I was look. I was just bringing up the the run concepts from the Bears game today, and I haven't finished tallying it up, but it's it's strikingly different than we have seen in in past games. I mean, a lot more man concepts, some more power, some more just straight man. I mean, still you got your outside zone tosses and your you know your your crack pull pitches and all that. And you know your your typical inside zone splits, but definitely a lot more of that man blocking and you know power man on man movement up front. And even in pass protection, one thing that you didn't mention was the the no huddle that they went to down the stretch. And Barkley had said after that, that's game, a great point. That made it easier for him to read the Titans defense, and it also kept the Titans defense tired. And they they you know they weren't bringing a ton of pressure on him. They weren't you know blitzing him like crazy or anything. They were kind of content with the lead to sit back and let him read the coverage. They weren't necessarily bringing the heat. I feel like if you know if the, the game had been closer for the entire time and they were trying to still get in Matt Barkley's head for a while there, I mean, I think it definitely falls on their defensive coaching staff not calling a great game down the stretch, but you would think the play, the strategy would be to, to blitz it and bring a lot of pressure on a young quarterback that struggles when he's under pressure, like we saw on that interception in the red zone, or in the end zone, excuse me, where he, he did kind of crack when he has to move it and read things on the fly, but he was able to tear up the Titans defense because they didn't bring it after him, because they got in that no huddle, and because there just wasn't a, a great pass rush coming after him. I thought they, on the final drive, there's a throw... Uh, they run a safety combo blitz, and Barkley sees it coming. And I think it was like third and 11. He hits Josh Bellamy right at the sticks. Thought the ref was going to give him a screw job spot. They didn't. And um, it was just an impressive throw. I got to put it up because Barkley knows he's going to get railroaded right in the jaw. And he just stood in there and delivered. That is what I want to see from my quarterback. There were a lot of blitz pickups on those final drive, if you go back, Lauren. And that offensive line, i got to give them credit. And Ryan, thanks for calling in, because it really did seem like there was a level of know-how that they looked at this during the week. They kind of knew what to expect, and they were there. Even Jeremy Langford, give him some credit, stepping in there, standing in there, and really taking on those blitzers and giving Barkley time. It really didn't have that feel like it was going to be ending on a stupid whiffed block strip sack like we were used to. This one ends on your personnel with the drops in the end zone. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever forget the Josh Bellamy drop. It's just a John Fox, you know, mantra right there with that, that play is so befitting of what this season has been and continues to be with this man as the head football coach. I tap my hat, I tip my hat rather to 
the coaching staff for getting the guys motivated and coming back out. The injuries pile on, Lauren, as you hear coming out of Chicago. Danny Trevathan with a, quote, serious knee injury. He's had knee injuries before. Colleague Jose Cotto talked about that um, in August on the show with us about him coming on and being a major signing, but there are there was fear that this guy has had injuries in the past. Here it reeks its head and, and comes through, Lauren. Are you concerned about that going forward? Now you've lost another inside linebacker because Jarrell Freeman, as you know, is out suspended. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny that you mentioned it right at that time because uh, Shane Marsa, who is basically becoming our assistant producer here for Bears Out Live, <laughs> sent me a screenshot of uh, Ian Rappaport said the, that he was told that it's a torn ACL. For, told that he thinks the the bear he was told the Bears think it's an ACL injury and that he will be having an MRI, but most likely done for the year for Danny Trevathan. I would I would assume, and I mean it, it's it, it's painful mostly in that it might affect his ability to return next season, and, and you know maybe not week one, but. You know, if he's unable to participate in, you know, OTAs or, you know, those kind of off-season activities, you know, if he's still recovering from that ACL surgery that will probably have to happen, if assuming the MRI shows that it's torn, I mean, that's going to be the bigger impact because obviously this just opens up time for John Timu and, you know, more for Nick Witkowski and, you know, it doesn't really change a lot for this season, but that obviously is more of a, a, a long-term issue than a, than a short-term issue for the Bears. But I, I want to get back to that offensive line play and, and the difference at, at the guard positions. And I think it's become a little bit, like, uh, sacrilegious to, to talk bad about Kyle Long and, and Josh Sitton because, you know, they're, they're pro bowlers and there's, there's, no, there's no fighting that recognition because Lord knows the best players in the league make the Pro Bowl every year. That's just, that's just a fact. <laughs> but it, it was interesting to, to me the way that Eric Cush and Ted Larson they seem to be communicating better and moving a little better. I know we've talked in the past about how sometimes Kyle Long struggles with the mental side of things, you know, as far as seeing the, the pass rush unfold in front of him and passing off blocks and all that. And the Titans stunted a lot at the Bears. I mean, it was almost mm-hmm. every single passing play. There was a stunt coming, and it seemed like Larson and Cush and Whitehair had a pretty easy time passing that off to each other. And, you know, even to the tackles, too, that, that was been an issue for Bobby Massey in the past, but it seemed like Larson and Massey were – pretty solid at, at passing that off and that that was a huge difference to me in this game that we haven't seen as much with Kyle Long and I don't think Josh Sitton had as much of an issue with it but like you said I, I agree that he doesn't seem like he's been quite in shape and, and maybe that's part of why he left Green Bay but he's still been mm-hmm. solid enough I mean to, Josh Sitton was far from a problem on this offensive line and I, and I think a lot of this had to do with you know level of play of opponent because I mean the Titans have a few good defensive linemen Carl Klug and, and Jarrell Casey and you know they have some outside linebackers too but for the most part they weren't be- they just don't have the talent to get a consistent pass rush and that's why they're a struggling football team overall but definitely encouraging to see what this offensive line was able to do yeah, definitely and you know the same story with the offensive line comes the offensive coordinator Lauren it's hard to try to find ways to be positive although some people will put up statistics and try to tell a story about an offensive coordinator throwing for 400 yards 300 yards with Brian Hoyer and then that becomes a narrative when the reality is throwing these passes and getting into scoring position 
and and getting conservative or not having the right personnel on or not knowing that you have two downs here. If you run it twice, you could still get a first down and thus give you another opportunity to, to run plays to score. These types of things, when I look at an offensive coordinator and Dal Loggins, are missed. And if you're reading stats and you're talking about passer ratings and passing yards and look what he's doing with this, that's when you're a losing franchise. That's exactly the moment you've decided to be a losing franchise because in-game, maniacal offensive coordinators understand situational football points whether it be settling for a field goal or not, are had by running the football. And there seems to be this continuous rhyme and no reason for his situational play calls, Lauren. I felt like he helped get this team in a huge hole by not getting into that red zone and putting it on Matt Barkley to begin with and not Jordan Howard. The Jordan Howard train... He's averaging the most yards after contact in the NFL, I believe. I think it was second or most. Second most, sorry, to A.J. Ajay. But again, he's not getting the opportunities that Jai is getting. So it could be even more. You know, the story for Loggins is one with which should have been over a long time ago. I would say after the Tampa game, there should have been another offensive coordinator or another head coach. It's sad, but it's true. And I don't want this dramatics against Tennessee to alleviate the reality and the and the real story of the 2016 two and now what nine? Yes, Chicago Bears. Yeah, you know, I, I think the Barkley situation today brings up a good point about the Brian Hoyer situation in the past and. And the difference between Barkley and Hoyer is that Barkley can actually throw it beyond the line of scrimmage, beyond the first down marker, and, and move the ball for your offense. But you look at what happens when you give a quarterback time to throw and a running game. And I know that's something that we talk about all the time with Jay Cutler. And, and how many games has he not had that? And how you know Matt Barkley actually had that today, and we saw what he was able to do, especially down that stretch. I mean, if you can't, I mean, you can't expect. I mean, when you put a quarterback in that situation, he does good things, and it's just crazy to me that. You know, if Matt Barkley can do that with with that much help, what could Jay Cutler have done with that offensive line and a running game doing that well? And we've got another caller on the line here, and I believe I believe I recognize his phone number, but I'm not 100 percent sure. So, caller, what's your name and where are you calling from? AJ from Chicago. There it is. There it is. <laughs> a- AJ Blunt. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to talk about a few points. Honestly, um, it was a close game. I'm I'm sitting here, you know, watching that felony drop, and I'm having nightmares about that. Jesus. Yeah. And, like, you don't give the the rock to Jordan Howard on that final drive at all? Are you kidding me? (laughs) The the lack of timeouts was definitely a a big issue there. Because John Fox wasted it with. A little over two minutes left. It was 2.06 on the clock called timeout before that punt for the two minutes. Don't forget that point, Lauren, before this show ends. We've got to talk about the timeout. The John Fox timeout was six seconds. That was a messy timeout. You shouldn't have called that. That's coaching 101, folks. Let's bring it back with AJ here. Okay. Yeah. It's third and two. Uh, Eddie Goldman makes a great play. I put it up. 
and stuffs the play. Now it's 2.06 clock running. The two-minute warning is going to stop the clock, okay? John Fox calls timeout at 2.06. Now the punt, they come back, they punt. The punt takes six seconds, and all of a sudden the clock then stops. Thus, you've lost the opportunity to stop the clock. What you could and what you should have done Goldman makes the play. You know the situation. The clock is going to run out to two minutes. The refs will stop. Now they come out, punt, and you own a timeout. So now you're down in the red zone there. There could be, AJ, an opportunity to run a spring draw to Jordan Howard. Exactly. You could take that timeout, right? And you can take it over. What are you going to do? And when when Matt Barkley hasn't played – a lot in his NFL career, you can sit down with him. Like, what kind of play you want to call? And like, if that went that way, I be, I believe that we could have won this game twenty eight to twenty seven. And like, a few more points here. Daniel Brown, he's better than Logan Paulson. He's like catching and it's like running too. <laughs> and where's Daniel Brown been for a month, Lauren? Right. Yeah. Uh, we got Marquise Wilson dropping catches. I think I counted thirteen drop passes today. Um. Three on Meredith, three on Wilson, two on Bellamy, and one on Deontay Thompson. I don't know if that adds up to – I'm not including the running backs. I think Jordan Howard dropped one in the first half. Langford dropped a fadeaway route. Um, if we can't have guys that can't catch, like, why are they even on this team? Like, I don't even get it. Like, Matt Barkley's been on fire in the second half. He's throwing strikes to these guys, and they're dropping it. And – I got to I got to give credit where it's due. Matt Barkley, come on, like he comes out in the second half and throws what two touchdowns and one in the first half. Um, you got you got to hope though that Matt Barkley, if Jay is truly out next week, can build confidence off this display. And you hope because they're not going to fire Dow Loggins. It seems that's they they're going to they're going to keep going. And the reality is, you got to be able to open up this offense they started it from play number one got the interference call they allowed this kid to loosen up the secondary and the interior and hopefully Dow will learn from this and incorporate the running game but you know you gotta build confidence with Barkley you can't go now back into your shell I tweeted before the game we we talk about quarterbacks you can't this is Barkley was the number one quarterback prospect coming out of high school. He's done this his whole life. He's played this position, that is. It's about the personnel surrounding him. Today, that personnel dropped the ball. It's There's no other way around it. You can't pretty it up. You can't put lipstick on a pig. So Josh Bellamy <laughs> really let down this football team with that drop. Deontay Thompson as well. Deontay. The patented the run, run the kick out, Lauren, get stopped at the 13-yard line, Deontay Thompson. Why are you what? even taking like taking me? What's wrong with taking a knee and putting it back at the 25? Like, you get another 8 yards. What is that? No, sorry, another 12 yards. So, and, like, you know, if I was Matt Barkley right now, you know, the first thing that he does, he goes over to Josh Bellamy and says, I think in, in my context, like, it was a good effort. It's okay. We'll get him next time. But, and then if I'm Matt Barkley again, 
I don't want Jeremy Langford. If I'm like playing quarterback for the Chicago Bears and I'm and I'm Matt Barkley right now, I don't want Jeremy Langford next to me because if that guy's pass blocking, I'll be terrified. Because like when he came on the field for that last play, I thought Terrell Casey or whoever was the defensive tackle was going to burst through and sack Barkley on that last play, and I thought Langford did well, but he doesn't do well in pass protection as much. And then you tweeted. Um, Phil, that why not just give Phil a chance in the in the fourth quarter? Um, could have deserved a chance, you know. I thought I thought that Matt Barkley didn't play as a good game in the third quarter. Then he just came out in the fourth quarter throwing all these strikes that could have been caught and have been caught by those receivers. And then since 2014, folks, we're 13 and 29, the third worst record in the NFL, or the fourth, one of those two. And then, last point I want to bring up, and now, um, why why are these people walking to the huddle when you have less than two minutes left? These guys should be jogging to the huddle, thinking that they, they want to win this football game. You should be jogging to the huddle. If my, if I was walking to high school football, my coach would have pulled my ass out of the game and would have <laughs> made me run two a day practices for the next week and a half or something. Well, I can and, see where. You know, with and, and AJ, we'll, we'll let you go here as, as we answer your question. Thanks, yeah. thanks again for calling in. Thanks, yeah. AJ. Um, yep. I, can, I can see where when you're in that two minute situation, especially you know, early on, absolutely you have to you have to hurry to the huddle and, and you know get the ball down the field. But once they cross midfield and after that after that big throw to um, who was that in the fourth quarter that brought it down, you know near it was the the one of Marquise Wilson that got it to the Tennessee thirty that got you in field goal range. I can see where you start to feel like okay. Not that you're trying to waste clock, but you don't necessarily have to hurry it to every second because you know once you get to the red zone and then once they got to the seven-yard line, the clock was going to stop and, or you're going to be in the end zone. It was one of the two things. So you kind of know that you at least have time until you get under that minute mark. So I can see where maybe you're not necessarily forcing everyone to sprint in between every play. Phil, I don't know if you have any, any other perspective on that, but it, that's not as huge of a deal except for maybe, you know, early on in the drive when you still have a lot of field to work with. Yeah, I kind of agree with you, Lauren. I, I saw what AJ was talking about, but I wasn't as concerned about it because I felt like Matt Barkley running the two-minute offense, there's confusion, receivers are dropping the ball. I, I thought Barkley held this team together. I I can't emphasize that enough. It, it, you know, he really became a different guy in that fourth quarter and, and entirely in the second half. You looked at that pass in the end zone. This, this Chicago Bears team should have won this football game, no doubt about it, if it wasn't for the Bellamy drop. But also, Barkley had his moments where, like I said, it was that same old feeling that backup quarterbacks – aside from Jay Cutler, are unable to be to win football games in Chicago, throwing that lob ball to uh, Cameron Meredith in the back of the end zone that gets intercepted. It was just, it was just a horrendous Peter Tom-esque Willis pass in the edges. Yeah, Peter Tom Willis. Look What's him that? up. Who's he? That's former Bear quarterback, exactly. A little older for me. A little older I think he threw opinion. six interceptions in a game. It. Anyway, Lauren, a little Peter old Tom school. Willis? Peter Tom Willis from Florida State. Oh boy, 
<laughs> but the reality is just lobbing a football into the end zone in tight quarters with NFL football players, it's not going to be successful. You saw a more commanding and quick twitch Matt Barkley with his passes in the second half. When he threw that ball to Bellamy that had some zip on it, he was throwing footballs. The last football to Deontay Thompson hit him in the chest again in the perfect spot. Again, had zip on it, needed to have zip on it. Those guys got get paid to make plays. Shout out to David Haley, who says to my question about should Josh Bellamy be cut? It's his job. You, you're never sorry. If he did his job like that, he'd be fired tomorrow. So there you go. I, I see it the same way. Josh Bellamy gives you value on special teams. If anything, you're going to move him down the rotation and you're going to recognize his special teams value. I think Deontay Thompson is what he is, Lauren. I think it's time. I know we've called this for so many weeks. He's not ready, Phil. Daniel Braverman (laughs) is not ready. (laughs) Well, I know from players on the team that he rips the defense apart during practice for whatever that's worth. Those are defensive starters. So we could talk about whether or not he's ready or not. Let's try to see what we have now moving forward because obviously the season was over after the Giants game. Any chance of the playoffs now are gone. So you want to see your young talent. You want to see what Matt Barkley, can he build off of what he did? And you're going to see Nick Kwiatkowski. He had a great goal line. I mean, you heard him make contact with DeMarco Murray at the goal line and stuff the Titans. Uh, Those types of plays you want to see moving forward. Uh, Adrian Amos and that secondary, Lauren. Talk about that. I thought that first half was just a... It looked like they were just collecting a paycheck... You had the annual Tracy Porter pretend I'm going to go in, but I'm not going to go in and make this play and tackle. I mean, if that's okay on film, as AJ was talking about his high school coach, watching that and accepting that kind of behavior and that kind of effort, then I don't know how you can sell this coaching staff for 2017. And before we get to Adrian Amos, I just want to mention too, you know, Daniel Braverman has been on the practice squad since week one, and, and he's not ready. But Lord knows David <laughs> Fales was signed four days ago after being with a different team for 12 weeks. And he was he's suited up, and he could have gone in and played. He was ready to go. So, you know, <laughs> just that's that's how it works in Chicago, apparently. It's, it's sort of pick and choose who you want and who you're ready to go. But, yeah, definitely disappointing performance from Amos. I mean, he's a guy that is supposed to be – building block the material for the future. And, and I'm not saying he isn't at this. It's not that he hasn't lost that status, but at the same time, definitely concerning on the deep end from him. And really, Bryce Callahan, same boat. I mean, a couple Whoa. of those plays, I don't know what he's doing. And he was supposed Whoa. to be the guy that is going to take over and potentially be the slot corner of the future for this team, maybe, or at least belong in that. And, you know, maybe he's not healthy again. Maybe he's banged up. Maybe he's got a hamstring or something. But, man, even the mental side of this thing, I mean – he he looked lost out there. I mean, the two of them, just, it, it, that was more concerning than anything else I saw in the defense was, was those two because at least you thought you had 
a more solid younger player for the future. And I mean, obviously, they're not lost causes now just because of one bad game, but definitely, definitely raises some red flags in my eyes. What about Harold Jones Corte again? He's just totally pulled. And again, I think we talked about this on the Bears Barroom podcast. It seems like there's different levels of accountability when it comes to John Fox and coaching staff where here's a guy that was a starter. You know, I don't see him on tape making error after error like we're talking about here. At least he brings a level of physicality to the position. If anything, I could see him rotating in for Amos because Amos had a half that you could just throw the tape out and burn it type of half because he was so lost. I mean, he's playing quarters coverage, and his number one is running to him, Delaney Walker. He just stays there. Just waited. even move. Just waited. Then you had what you call, I call it tiptoeing through the tulips, and Bryce Callahan just, again, allowing the receiver to run the route and then just allow him to catch the football without turning and making a play on the ball. It just was disgusting on so many levels. You know, the lack of the pass rush was there. They, you know, they made Mariota move. He's dangerous on the move. But they couldn't get home. And that secondary really showed its warts out there today. Yeah, and, and the contain, I didn't think, was existent. I mean, it was non-existent. I mean, even guys like Akeem Hicks and Cornelius Washington and Jonathan Bullard, they couldn't get outside. And, and they, I, mean, they, I don't know if it was uh, – if the, ta- the Tennessee Titans tackles are just prepared for that and they know how to sort of turn and, and keep guys from getting outside of them, even on pass protection or what. But even when the Bears, you know, they'd bring pressure up the middle or they'd stunt somebody to the inside and no one seemed to be able to want to be able to get outside of Mariota and he'd just run around to the outside of the pocket and – have time to throw and, you know, stressing the corners and the safeties on the back end because they're having to wait for so long, trying to cover for that long. And, I mean, it was just a it was a terrible combination. That's what you saw in the first half. That's how the Titans went up 21-7 at halftime because, I mean, the Bears just couldn't do anything against Marcus Mariota. And, obviously, he was throwing some really impressive passes. And, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for that. But the Bears certainly weren't making it difficult for him. And, you know, you mentioned no. Jones Corte. He got in on two plays. He rotated in. Chris Brzezinski got in on three. Devontae Hurst got in on two also. So, you know, we're seeing we're seeing the uh, the Paul Lasique levels of contribution from some of these guys. Although Paul got another <laughs> seven snaps on offense. So, you know, seven shots. Oh yeah, he's he's living the dream. <laughs> oh my God, that right there could be your slot coming in for Paul Lasique for those interested. Um, Lauren. Uh, question from over the pond uh, from Scotland, uh, Scotland Yard in San- Sandy. Sandy Tom wanted to know about Ben Broniker on Twitter. Did he get an injury? Because he's right, you know, all of a sudden he got pulled out. He made a nice catch coming across on a drag route with a body on him. Maintained possession, big catch there for Barkley. And then he kind of just disappeared from my eyes. It was Daniel Brown and it was uh, Logan. He shouldn't be on the roster. Paulson <laughs> taking over. So did anything happen to Broniker and where did he go, Lauren? Yeah, I didn't see an injury or anything major from him. And looking at his snaps, 
they were pretty well spread out. I mean, he played in the fourth quarter. He didn't really play much down the stretch. He he finished with uh, 15 snaps, and uh, Whoa. Logan Paulson had 33, and the new guy, Daniel Brown, had 49. So evidently, they... <laughs> They, after not, not having played a snap in a Bears uniform, the Bears thought the new guy would be the best. And he, he caught the touchdown pass. I mean, he deserves credit, but he wasn't I, – I mean, I didn't think he was – He made a nice catch. As a blocker. It was, yeah, it was, it was a nice catch, but – He made another nice catch coming to – he did a, a nice deep out where he hand-caught it and got the first down to continue a drive, uh, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Uh, uh, yeah, in the fourth quarter, I remember seeing him make another nice catch. Um, but that's telling. Another personnel-wise, you you see Daniel Brown ended up becoming that personal uh, personnel question mark. He ended up becoming a slot receiver, essentially, down the stretch. Because as we've talked about continuously... We don't know where Eddie Royal is, his turf toe used as a punt returner, and then Cameron Meredith is being played out of position. There's no way around it, Lauren. There's no way whatsoever, and that's coaching. That is absolute coaching. You could say what you want about personnel. If I'm the head coach, I know what I need in my offensive philosophy for that week based on matchups. And a key critical matchup, obviously, you wrote a great article for Bears Wire about it, was, as you saw, a matchup with the corners and Cox being a weakness. And down the stretch, when we needed to pass, that became where Barkley was going. And ultimately, the Josh Bellamy Fox drop became the story. But the reality is, that's where you should have been attacking with receivers that actually can catch the ball. Yeah, and they, they did go after uh, the rookie, LaShawn Sims, quite a bit too, and I think that worked out pretty well for them as well because the Titans, they kind of realized that Parrish Cox isn't good. So, I mean, you know, he did start the game, but he only played 56 snaps, and actually Jason McCourty ended up coming off for, for quite a few snaps. LaShawn Sims ended up coming in for 39, and, you know, I, I do give them credit for at least, you know, isolating the the poor corners in the, in the Titans secondary because I guess they don't have a lot to... Uh, they don't have a lot to boast on that back end, but at the same time, there, there were those plays on the stretch. Even the the broadcast announcers mentioned it when, you know, the, the Bears were tearing it up, and then they started throwing it to the middle around the linebackers. And I think Solomon Wilcott joked that, you know, well, <laughs> with the way that the secondary's been playing, the Bears shouldn't throw it over the middle. And they ended up targeting Wesley Woodyard six times, and he only allowed two receptions. And a couple of those other guys over the middle, uh, Avery Williamson, only allowed a couple catches. And I mean, the middle of the field was not where the Bears should should throw it, and th- they did end up going there a little bit down the stretch, mostly because when they were throwing it outside, the guys weren't catching it anyway, so why not try it over the middle, try and get it to some tight ends, but ultimately you saw you know, the, the outside of the field being that more lucrative spot for, for Matt Barkley, even though, you know, in, in, in his credit, it's harder to throw those, and, and he was really putting them on, on the spot, but Bears receivers weren't catching them, so it, at the end of the day, didn't make a whole lot of difference. Now, Lauren, for those fans listening, I, I've gotten a lot of tweets about this, asking why do I want them, them being the Bears, to win? Well, let me answer without 140 characters, and I'll be short, Lauren. <laughs> I am short, as Shane would probably chime in. 
<laughs> yeah, he's he's listening and he's nodding. And, and one thing Shane also m- mentioned as, as now co-producer of the show, I'm going to give credit for for mentioning it again. Now he said the NFL record for most fourth quarter passes is 34 by Drew Brees. Do you want to guess how many Matt Barkley had today? 32. 33. You were very Whoa. close. He, he was one short of the NFL record of pass attempts in the fourth quarter. Wow. I mean, I get I get being down a lot, but man, you gotta you gotta run the football. I mean, with Jordan Howard playing as well as he did, I mean it worked out for Matt Barkley. He was throwing the ball and guys were dropping it and no you know, no disservice to Barkley, but as an offensive coordinator, throwing the ball thirty three times in the fourth quarter when you have Jordan Howard in the backfield, I don't know. But Phil, tell me why tell me why the Bears should win football games and not lose football games. Listen. The NFL draft is a crapshoot. There is no definitive number one overall talent there. I can give you a thousand names that were drafted in the second and third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, maybe even more, that have gone on to become Hall of Famers and what have you. There's no rhyme or reason to ever concede defeat and lose. Having a loser's mentality is what makes you the Cleveland Browns. It what makes you the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've continuously picked in the top 10, and they have nothing to show for it. Right now, the Chicago Bears need to win football games and build young players' confidence. There is no way I can express that anymore and be any clearer. Had I had an opportunity to coach the Chicago Bears, I would go down fighting throwing my headset like Jim Harbaugh on the sideline and making every game, no matter how far away it is, count and make every player on my team know that losing is not okay. And once you've understood that mentality for a paid profession, then you'll understand that getting the right attitude in the locker room and the right head coach here in Chicago is more important than getting a a top-flight rookie quarterback and or any kind of pick that you want to sell me on. Winning cultures find talent, no matter what. And right now, the Chicago Bears, as we've talked about, Lauren, have talent on this roster. What they need is the right guy leading them. The train is off the goddamn track with John Fox. This isn't the McCaskies being cheap, the McCaskies this. They could pay a wide receiver. $14 million a year, they could play John Fox another $5 million or another 10 to $20 million to sit at home for the next three years while you find the right guy that's going to turn around this franchise fortunes. I think everybody would sign up for that. I don't think this is a season that was broken down by injuries, Lauren. I think this season was broken down by stupidity, and that is my two cents on that. Yeah, t- totally agree 100% about the you know season broken down by stupidity versus injuries. I mean, injuries are sort of the the fancy excuse that John Fox likes to throw on things to to make to save his job to, to potentially save his job. But it's not. 
I don't buy it. I mean, obviously, the Bears have probably, and I don't have numbers, but have statistically had significantly more injuries than a lot of other teams. But they've also been in a lot of these games. I mean, they almost beat the Tennessee Titans with their preseason third-string offense. So, I mean, there is talent on this football team. But, you know, ever since ever since that bye week, I keep thinking back to that moment after the Minnesota Vikings game when John Fox said he told the team, we can either go 10-6 and six or 2-14, and 14, and you people get to decide because they were 2-6 and six at the time, so they could either win out or lose out. And mm-hmm. I, I think that was a horrible coaching point to, to even put out the possibility of, well, we could go 2-14, and 14, guys. We could lose out from here. You know what I mean? Like, Great your, point. Your message should be, we just beat the Minnesota Vikings. We're in first place in our division. We're going to go into the bye week. We're going to keep working hard, and we're going to turn the season around. But instead, John Fox says, well, we can either go 10-6 and six and, and do something with it, or you boys can all go 2-14, and 14 and we'll just we'll lose. And you can't, you can't even put that thought in anybody's head you can't even acknowledge that losing is a possibility every single game you you must win you will win and you go into every single game with that mentality and clearly that is not what John Fox had had instilled in his team and we've seen they're well on their way to 2 and 14 as a result yeah Lauren great freaking point it's about winning winning that member let's not forget there's two points really telling in this season and it was the part where you knew Jay Cutler was healthy and they were selling you Brian Hoyer it was re-emphasized today by Ian Rappaport's report about Jay Cutler not being out of the picture there seems to be clear concise disconnect between Ryan Pace and John Fox don't try to tell me otherwise I know it for a fact and I know for a fact that the McCaskies aren't afraid to fire Fox and will, if that's what Ryan Pace decides, those things right now are ringing true to the beginning of the season where they were going to roll with Hoyer, irregardless if Jay was hurt or coming back or not. Remember that point, because then they come back and Lauren makes the great point. What kind of message are you sending to the team when you say that? It's the wrong one, coupled. Now, this is the highlighter pencil one, Lauren that you missed. He sent the whole team home to relax and chill. You're two and six. You're two and six. So guess what? You're telling them it's okay that we're two and six. We just won a big game against the division leader. But, you know, go home and and think about it. Come back ready to play after the bye. No. That's... People talk about him being an old school coach. That's stupid new school philosophy of giving a break, get in there and start looking at the tape, criticizing, critiquing, and getting back on the practice field and teaching technique and get the personnel corrected because you continue to fail in that department. You're not playing the right guys in positions to be successful. And that's on John Fox and Dowell Loggins. Vic Fangio, for as vanilla as he could possibly be, You know, he is having his defense play tough despite the inadequacies in the secondary, as you see. And, you know, we've only got a few minutes left of the show, so we're going to have to wrap it up here. But totally agreed as far as the message being sent to this team. I mean, I I hate to harp too much back on the bye week because that was, what, four weeks ago. But to me, that, that was the opportunity to be the turning point, to say, you know, hitting the restart button on the season. We're 2-6 and six and we're still in control of our future. Let's go win. 
you know, let's pretend we're zero and zero, and let's start working like it's week one again, and, and we're going to work through this bye week, take advantage of this extra time that we are being gifted to try and turn the season around, and we're gonna we're, we're gonna do something with it. And they just absolutely did not, and and that's been the story of the season from that point on. And I mean, even if they had won this game, I mean, John Fox's job cannot. I mean, just absolutely cannot be safe. It cannot be. No, safe. it can't. There's no reason, even you know, even if Matt Barkley had won this game and done this comeback, maybe maybe it looks nice and saves some face, and the Bears look like a team that, hey, we see we have some young talent, but there's no, there's no reason to to keep anyone outside of Vic Fangio and the defensive staff. The two minute warning, uh, albatross. Oh my God! I mean, that alone, a kid on Madden gets it. Freaking Lance understands that on Madden. He would have let the clock. Yeah, he would have let that (laughs) clock run down. He would have saved his timeout, knew he had one in the bank, and had the opportunity to have a timeout with your offense. That right there is a showcase of what John Fox is. I did not be the first one to admit. I did not think John Fox was this lackadaisical uh, aloof guy, but clearly hat tip to those Bronco fans that continued to troll me and talk about John Fox and what have you, because they were right. I was wrong. John Fox is not the Chicago bears coach in 2017. According to myself, Lauren, you agree? Absolutely, and you know we only we only have a couple minutes left here, so I, I want to wrap up the show rather than rather than cut it close again. But I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll leave everyone with the final thought from now locked in co-producer Shane Marsaw. Um, Eddie Royal started started <laughs> entered this game and then left today's game with six less career receiving yards than he started the day with. He caught one pass and ran backwards for six yards, and maybe that's why we stopped seeing him on the field. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, if that's correlated or not, if, if it was actually a benching for that reason, but at least he caught it, you know? I mean, <laughs> that's sort of, but you want the guy that runs backwards and actually catches it or the guy that will get open and just not, not hold on the, to it? So. The audio went out, and so did Eddie Royal. Yeah, I saw that tweet. It was it was a nice silence. It then it got more awkward when the studio people tried to do the live. There were like five of them Boomer. do the play by play. And there then, and there's a great uh, um, catch. Uh, Matt Barkley made a great throw. Good job, Boomer. <laughs> well, Good job. On, on on that note, we will wrap up Bears Hour Live. I want to thank everyone for listening. I'm actually blanking on who the next the next Bears opponent is, but give me 30 seconds, I'll have it. It's the San Francisco 49ers at home next week. Sunday. This is the draft bowl, Lauren. Come on. That's true. That's true. this is a big, big, big week for the draft pick. So yeah, this could Ooh. be a big one. There's, there's there's some there's some there's some draft prospects to like. So uh, on that, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to this edition of Bears Hour Live.